0: In the light of the moon, a little egg lay on a leaf. One Sunday morning, the warm sun came up and out of the egg came a tiny and very hungry caterpillar.
1: Welcome to A Thousand and One Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads one a psychologist, and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future.
0: So, Nick, uh, The Very Hungry Caterpillar turned 50 this year. Is it a good book?
1: The Very Hungry Caterpillar... Just might be the very best children's book.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I mean, consistently it's ranked that way, at least in all all the people that are whoever's in charge of making those lists, right? Are, are children's picture books, I feel like, and I think, uh, you know, if there's a, those sort of indie book hall of fames, this is this is an early inductee.
1: It's going into Kitty Lit Cooperstown. That's right. I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, I I just feel like this is the most at least in turn, you know, when you talk about the greatest of anything, um, one way to assess that would be what's the most kind of well-rounded, um, sort of really good at every element of the thing. So in terms of children's books, I just feel like this, it kind of has it all, you know, in terms of greatest of all time, the goat, um, in terms of the illustrations, in terms of the, the prose, in terms of, kids reactions to it in terms of my reactions to it it's like consistently awesome in all of those dimensions which is pretty rare i feel like for for children's books
0: yeah i feel like this is the kind of book that even the the, the cover is if you have a children's book section of something you put the very hungry caterpillar on the cover yeah. and, the, and, the, and you, you don't even have to say that you just know this is where the children's books are
1: right yeah, it's so. So let, let's kind of d- dive in there. Like, I mean, obviously I think in some ways the most like when you say Eric Carle, I think people think of the sort of distinctive visual style first. Right. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, that's right. That um, kind of texture. I mean, his. I, I will say that. Um, his. Do you know his process at all? For for making I, these I things. I don't
1: at all. I have no idea.
0: Well, I. I mean, I read up on it a little bit and could not begin to, <laughs> to really. <laughs> Like explain it in a way that, you know, if, if you were doing it as a class project, um, I could set it up. But it involves uh, translucent tissue paper that he colors. And then he oh. makes collages out of this translucent uh, like tissue paper with acrylic paint. And then apparently in his studio, he just has drawers full of all these little pieces, you know, pre-treated uh, t- translucent tissue paper. Oh, Honestly, interesting. It, it, it also sounds like the kind of thing that if I was to do this. I would have, like, it would not turn out in the way that I anticipated. It's like, like, like any <laughs> high school lab that I did, we're like, well, what was supposed to happen was I was going to put these translucent pages together to make a caterpillar, but actually it's just kind of just a heap of <laughs> tissue paper. <laughs> it looks like obvious trash. It, it, this look- was supposed to be a, a weather model, or this, like, the flame was supposed to turn blue, but instead there was just a lot of smoke. <laughs> but, it, but it works out well with, I mean, uh, like it's almost devastatingly beautiful. I mean, there was, there was an exhibit that that came through Chicago that was, uh, the very Eric Carl at the children's museum when I was living there. And I really wanted to go, I'm I'm really upset that I missed it because just the idea of like walking through a space that sort of had the texture of his books. I don't know. It's, it is one of those books where you wish you were, uh, sort of caterpillar size that you could just crawl in there. I think the the original, Mm -hmm. the original, um, caterpillar was in fact a bookworm i think when the early drafts of this and so the idea but the idea that it's you could immerse yourself in the book like in the way that he kind of eats his way through an apple i mean that that resonates with me at least
1: yeah and it just works so well for things like food and nature stuff right stuff that's inherently really textured it seems to that style just seems to fit really well um But do you think, do you think there's something about that, that his particular style that resonates with kids in particular? Like, I don't know. Like, do do you think like, because it looks sort of like a school project that somehow it's more appealing to kids because of that?
0: Yeah, maybe so. I mean, there's, and, and also this is one of those things where it's hard to know just because it's been so influential over the last 50 years that when I think of kids, even, uh, like a, a playground in the mall or sort of a play area in the mall, they, they look like the very hungry caterpillar to me just because I, I feel like that kind of like texture and those colors, like the bright colors and mm-hmm. where it's not all salt. Does that make sense where he, like he's just created this environment for children that has then been replicated in classrooms right. and, you know, for for the generation even before I was even around. So um, it, it seems like the, The ideal thing to me, but maybe that's just because it was so successful
1: that it. It's like a positive self fulfilling prophecy. It it sort of turned into the thing, yeah. Well, and I like to. It's the bright, the bright colors, but I think the 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 texture helps helps offset that. It doesn't look. It's not over the top because even though there are bright colors, there's so much, um, sort of texture and nuance within the color that it, in a way, it sort of mutes it without muting. I
0: think that's right. Um,
1: I think that's right. So then, so obviously all of his books um, are like have this kind of distinctive style. But but to me, and it, it, I'm no Eric Carle expert by any means, but we've got a number of Eric Carle books. This one also seems by far the most beautiful in terms of the prose, like in, in terms of just reading. Yeah, I think this is the, um, best,
0: the best combination. It has really good uh, pacing and spacing, I feel like, in, in terms of the way even the, how much text is on a page – Like there's a, and and Goodnight Moon has this a little bit too, where you can almost be turning the pages continuously and there's just enough time to, to say the phrase in kind of a, a, in in a dreamlike cadence maybe. Um, And you can take it, you can pause if you want to, because it's a rich, richly textured world, but you can also just keep going. And there's just enough. And now, and, the, but there's also a little bit of drama because when when you get to the Saturday where he eats all that stuff and has the stomach ache, there's a lot. But that feels that's part of kind of the the narrative, too, right? Is that it, it, effect, that it's, that's yeah, it it's a dramatic effect. So yeah, yeah so it, it seems it's it's sparse in the best sort of way, I think, in, in terms of the the, the, the the prose,
1: yeah. And I always appreciate it as a, as a reader of children's books when when an author has thought through that and, and, and made the, the, the text kind of length, the spacing, um, appropriate for that, like, it just feels nice. it bugs me when there it's, it's kind of clunky, yeah. like actually reading through it is kind of clunky, but and it's wonderful when it's just smooth. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I really love it. It, it makes the whole thing. Th- and I think as a, like, as a as a reader it makes the whole experience that much more enjoyable right
0: and it and it borrows a lot of the Um, things where you you learn you learn about objects like different kinds of fruit there's a a ascending order where it's you know first he he eats his way through an apple one apple two pears three plums so you're you're counting so it, it it kind of passes itself off in that kind of educational tool way um And and, and there's that repetition Uh, that is common in a lot of children's books. Repetition, It it just does a lot of the things that children's books do, but it does them very well. Though, I will say, okay, so – and part of me wonders, uh, as as we've done a number of these, it seems kind of – we've already said what a great – we've already extolled the virtues of this book. We've said how great it is, and then now I'm about to nitpick, which 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 seems lame. (laughs) (laughs) But also I feel like (laughs) – surely Ehrlich Carl can't care. I mean, he, his, his book has done so well. <laughs> he, he doesn't need to worry about any quibbling. <laughs> but isn't this also kind of an unlikely book to do really well? So we said, I said it was kind of educational, but also it gets some important things wrong. So that's not, it, it's kind of a teachy, sciencey classroom project type book, but um, it gets the uh, caterpillars don't eat all these different things and they're not eating through all these salami. Most caterpillars have, you know, there's like a, a type of kale leaf or cabbage leaf that they prefer. And that's mostly what they eat. Um, I've, i i wandered through a lot of science <laughs> blogs that really just like, savage the very hungry caterpillar, which is once again, like if you're, if you're, if you meet Eric Carl in the street and you're like, Oh, that's not the diet of the very hungry caterpillar. That's very lame of you to do obviously. Um, and the other big thing is like one of the most sciencey parts of the book is when he, he makes that uh, cocoon, but caterpillars don't make cocoons. That's not what moths do. Caterpillars turn into a chrysalis. So that's, I mean, and mm. and because the prose is so sparse, I mean, that's a pretty important <laughs> plot point. So I can see, I mean, if you're if you're a kindergarten teacher, how you might or, or like a I don't know a fourth grade science teacher or something, you might be mildly irked that everybody. You know, has wrong notions about caterpillars and moss based on, <laughs> <laughs> based on maybe one of the most popular children's books of all time. Um, and, and, and also, when we talked about the, the space I've... and the proportions. Like, strawberries aren't the same size as oranges. Like, everything kind of is the same size for the caterpillar. But it, but in real life, you know, the fruit, there's this variance in, in fruit size. Does, does that bother you at all? Or.
1: On Saturday, he ate through one piece of chocolate cake, one ice cream cone, one pickle, one slice of Swiss cheese, one slice of salami, one lollipop, one piece of cherry pie, one sausage, one cupcake, and one slice of watermelon. That night, he had a stomach ache. I had honestly never thought about that before. I also never really considered the sciencey kind of instructional value of the book. It, like, literally, never crossed my mind um, that that would be one of the things I guess my girls were learning as they were reading the book. Like if anything, if, if I read a like a lesson into this, it, it's more kind of general and moral in, in the sense of like, you know, we, we all tend to do better when we sort of imbue the things that are by nature that are good for us and don't um don't get distracted by things that look shiny and appealing um but don't actually suit our nature.
0: Okay, so so in in that reading, the the caterpillar is punished for his gluttony of all these <laughs> treats on Saturday: the, the piece of chocolate cake, the ice cream cone, the pickle, the slice of Swiss cheese, the slice of slummy. Also, these things are aren't they're not universally desserts. It's just whatever, man. He was he was there.
1: No, I don't. Ethan presumes "punish" is an awfully strong word. I think this is, this is like because well, so of I, life. I, I, you you go through and you try out all sorts of stuff. And you sort of eat. yeah, but he, but, but, but,
0: but, you know, he's eating fruit all week. And then all of a sudden he just goes, like, you know, he's tr- trying this fruit this day, this fruit the next day. And then on Saturday, he just goes bananas. Not literally, he, he actually goes pickle cheese, <laughs> sausage, lollipop. You found but, a picnic. You um, stumbled upon but, a picnic. Right. That, right. Sure. But definitely when I was a kid, this, like the, the reading that whoever, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was my parents, but whenever I was, this book was read to me. This was a real teachable moment where it's like, yeah, don't be gluttonous and just be gorging oh, yourself wow. on sweets, or you're gonna. And then, and then you know he he gets a stomach ache, but then luckily he eats up. He's able to eat a leaf and 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 get back on track nutritionally. <laughs> you <know? And> so,
1: <laughs> he really does look but, mi- like it's amazing how miserable the caterpillar looks at the end of that the gluttony page. Like just it's such a a, a a tiny little drawing. It really you know evokes yeah. a lot of misery. It conveys it
0: conveys, yeah. it conveys <laughs> like the regret, which which I have seen on my face after. I'm pretty sure I've seen
1: that in your face too after yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> and so yeah. Um,
0: but but yeah, but 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 really, so if it is, but but maybe he has seen all those things to like bulk up to be a butterfly. Like I, it's, it's 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 unclear to me if that's what the book is actually is actually trying to say. Maybe that's just a part of being like you. Know, you yeah, you have to endure the stomachache, but then you just push through it, no pain, no gain, <laughs> and, and that's how you can cocoon up.
1: What's the moral of the story? No pain, no gain. Well, I mean, so
0: Eric – I mean, Eric Carl has his, – his thing is he says that children like it because it's about uh, – like the caterpillar is kind of helpless and and vulnerable, but then if you stay the course, eventually you may turn into this lovely, wonderful thing. Mm. Yeah, I. I mean, maybe (laughs) maybe. (laughs) I don't know, Eric. Um,
1: (laughs) I I don't. I I guess I sort of read it more like a uh, like a fairy tale, or even like a parable, where I didn't like the 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 fact that this hungry caterpillar stumbled upon this you know feast of weird human food, and the fact that the they're sort of out of proportion, and I don't know. It just never crossed my mind that that would be inappropriate somehow because i think because i went into it with this like well oh, it's a children's story you know like all sorts of yeah. weird stuff happens um and yeah i don't know so i i would i would love to i wish we could get like a audience polling on this to see how people interpreted this because that's very interesting um i don't like with, remember with, it pers- what their moral takeaway yeah um <laughs> or even just how much they read a takeaway into it like, how much they want yeah. it to be sort of an instructional book versus, like, I think, and this is actually one of the other things I love about this book is how it's just fun to read through it. Um, yeah. In part because there, there are so many fun, like, surprising plot twists. You know, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's just the first page. And the light well, of the I mean, moon bit- <laughs> and the little egg lay on the leaf. And then all of a sudden, like, pop, out of the egg comes the caterpillar and there's this huge bright sun. Right. And then, so then he eats through the fruit and then whammo, you're on this page with like all this crazy, like ice cream and pickles and, you know, sausages and muffins. Um, And then he he eats the little leaf and it's kind of a normal page. And then like, boom, it's this huge rotund caterpillar (laughs) right? right on the next page. And then the last one, again, like another crazy transformation He's the butterfly, yeah, the, the, so it packs butterfly. so much um, sort of surprise into one story that I think, like, I think kids love that. My my do anyway.
0: Here's, well, here's the other the other question is, I was someone how the, in some ways this seems unlikely to be a children's book. The caterpillars, I mean, maybe it's just because our collective consciousness knows this book and and we're not threatened by that's why there's so many. I mean, we have a very hungry caterpillar like pillow, I think you know, and there's there's very hungry caterpillar merch i mean it's it's everywhere so we're not but i mean outside of this book the idea the caterpillar is kind of a scary alien looking monster creature i mean if it was if it was Mm. (laughs) life-size it would would be (laughs) terrifying that's that's what like that's what monsters look like and and the idea of like if you were if, if it was your like from the perspective of a human if it's your picnic and then you saw like a bug Eating its way through your ice cream cone, like it would. It would not be. Like, oh my gosh, there's a very hungry caterpillar. I, like, I wonder. like He's probably just about to cocoon up. <laughs> you know, be, no, Oh, this is so gross. But but and and if you look at the very like, the caterpillar has a very expressive face and at the, when he's sick. But in the very on the cover, that caterpillar looks a little to me looks a little ominous. Yeah. And and, and monstrous, but then. Maybe because you've met him like under, you know, as an egg under kind of a benign moon and you, and you notice right away that he has a, a little uh, fruit based item. I mean, he's just eating plums and strawberries like, mm-hmm. like look at him go. <laughs> so maybe that <laughs> makes him seem less less threatening. But I mean, we'd have to find the first people who, who got a copy of this in 1969 who were kids. Do you think anybody was ever repulsed by the idea of the caterpillar just do, doing doing this thing?
1: I don't know i I would bet that that is offset by things like the colors and the just like the diction and the prose and yeah. and and like and even even some of the background stuff like the moon and the sun are both smiling, yeah, you know, and the everything's so colorful and um yeah i don't know i don't I don't think so um i mean i'm sure I'm sure there are some. Kids who get who are scared of the very hungry caterpillar.
0: not even, not not mine and not yours right your kids no not at all
1: yeah no they were super into it um, yeah so I, I yeah I don't know about that um, but who knows maybe we'll we'll get someone calling in and uh, like, oh that, my, my dreams are haunted yeah nightmares <laughs> very hungry cat the <laughs> yeah I don't know I so I just I just think it's such a uh, it's also really fast, like you can read it really quickly, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, well, that, which also means kids can internalize it relatively quickly, which is fun when your kids get to the point where they've, they've really internalized a book and they can kind of anticipate what's going to happen and it takes on a whole new level of enjoyment, I think.
0: Well, I think, and that's one of the things, there's that sparse prose but rich, rich texture. So you can, you can go really fast, but you can also go really slow. You can linger if you want to. And I, right. I like books that give you that option where you can just proceed at the one sentence a page; the whole thing's over in a couple of minutes, or you can really like put your fingers in the hole of the apple, kind of like look at, stare at the pears, reflect on the moon. <laughs> you can, I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it, 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 you're, you're, not like you, you have some freedom in terms of the pacing too that the, the structure of the book allows. Does that make sense or?
1: Yeah, totally flexible. And also the in in terms of the um the how how you say it. So it's it's got sort of a, a, a natural rhythm to it, but I feel like it allows for a lot of variability. Like right. it'd be interesting if you asked 10 people how they say the last line, which which is he was a beautiful butterfly. Right. Like no one's no one says it like that. You know, everyone's got their own way of kind of adding pizzazz to the way they say it.
0: Well, so speaking of uh everyone having their own way of doing this. If if you had to pick someone that you would want to read The Very Hungry Caterpillar to you or your kids or... <laughs> but, I'll, I'll, I'll but like about. in
1: in person or like the narrated oh audiobook uh, uh, version honestly <laughs> in
0: any way you answer i'm not gonna be disappointed you don't have to have an answer either i've got i've got lots of i've got lots of answers so well you go okay, first then, if you've if you're locked okay, and loaded so, let's, let's I mean, hear the on. obvious like temptations with, with any of these things is to just have some with a really sumptuous voice like james old jones should read, morgan yeah, freeman. Yeah, morgan freeman or james, james old jones, jones should read all children's books that's just
1: right um <laughs> but
0: if, if if we're gonna have somebody especially for the very hungry caterpillar and maybe it's just because I just saw the movie uh, yesterday, but I would love to hear oh. Paul McCartney read this book. That kind of Liverpudlian, lilting mm. accent that he has—I think that would really work well for the, the the different types of fruit. And he, I don't know, some of those the lyrics of, of the Beatles songs where they they say kind of nonsensical things, and yeah, and their their voices seem to suit it. So I, I'd either pick him or. Hugo Weaving, the guy who plays Elrond, and also Mister Smith in The Matrix, who's a real Mm. over enunciator. (laughs) You know, just the way he would say, you know, one (laughs) apple and (laughs) bite it off at the end.
1: (laughs) I I think my pick would be um, Kevin from The Office. I feel like he's just perpetually hungry, <laughs> you know? So. You,
0: would, you would believe it if he read it? Like, like, <laughs> I would definitely believe it, like yeah. he could have the correct <laughs> conviction to... Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 1001 Good Nights. If you want to learn more about this book and other bedtime stories, check out our website at 1001goodnights.com. That's 1001goodnights.com. Be sure to sign up for our monthly email newsletter to get updates about upcoming seasons and other new content. Finally, please help us out by rating the show on iTunes. This helps spread the word about the show and get it in front of new listeners each week.